Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest tonight, Norman Jordan, the color commentator for Vanderbilt Football. Our news presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Vanderbilt and South Carolina will tee it up from Vanderbilt Stadium on Saturday at 11 Central. That game will be shown on the SEC Network. The Vandy Sports Podcast is presented by Jody Jones, DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after general and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. Jody has earned the title of number one in Nashville for cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spa-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many athletes, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate service to all of his patients. Jody never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care. Special thanks to Jody for being the title sponsor of this season. Norman Jordan appears on our guest line. That is presented by our good friends Scott and Missy Tannen at Bowling Branch. I had no clue what I was missing until I got Bowling Branch sheets. They are fair trade certified, which means they're made under safe conditions by men and women, treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, get the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L, and enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Norman Jordan joins us. He is the color commentator for Vanderbilt Football. Norman, thank you for joining us. How have you been, sir? Doing great, Chris. How about yourself? I am doing well. Let's talk about Vanderbilt's loss to LSU. And, of course, the week before was a little bit more encouraging playing Texas A&M close, but obviously that was not a pretty sight Saturday night in Vanderbilt Stadium. After a game like that, there's always talk of what could they have done differently. Was the play calling this? Was it that? Offensively, I just think so much stuff stops and starts with an offensive line that through no fault of those kids out there, some of them shouldn't be playing, just isn't very good right now, and I think that dictates darn near everything on offense. Well, I, I don't disagree with you, except I'll say kind of in a, in a better spin is their defensive linemen were very, very good. you got two guys in the middle that one's 339 and he's a little one, and the other one's 340. And they did some damage all night long, and, and they're good. They're, they're really good. And then you start when getting Stingley back in the uh, defensive backfield, all of a sudden you can run man coverage. Well, I believe the tally was two sacks, eight pressures, and two interceptions, and only 25 pass attempts. And, uh, I mean, basically, just about every other time Ken Seals dropped back, LSU was in his face or forcing a sack or a turnover, and that's not the ratio you want. Yeah, no, and I've, I've talked a lot about this on the air. It's not – you don't have to sack the quarterback. 
you just got to make him feel uncomfortable. And if you get close enough, every quarterback gets a little bit flustered. Or if, if he can feel you coming in behind him and you, you're not even close enough to touch him, he just feels that. And all of a sudden, you're finding him throwing the ball a little high, a little low, a little wide, one side or the other. And so you don't have to tackle the guy. You just got to make him feel pressure. I felt like for a while the game was on a loop where every time they threw the ball, he would roll right, whether that was under pressure and needed, which, I mean, I think it was, but I'll get your thoughts on this. But it just seemed like every pass play was Seals roll right by as much time as he could and then get next to the sideline and just have to throw the ball away, that he just kept looking for something, for something, for something, and it never materialized. Is that the way you saw it? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, but again... If you watched LSU the week before against Mississippi State, you know, the guy threw for 623 yards against them, but that was without Derek Stingley. I mean, that guy is a legitimate superstar. He's a great ball player. So you put him in there and put him on the best receiver you got, and you can play man coverage all night long because he's going to shut the, the best receiver off, and the other guys are good enough to, to stop with a little help, stop the other guys. So that a lot of that was coverage stacks. Uh, but again, I mean, yeah, I think most of the rollout stuff was simply because he felt pressure and that was where it was open to go and typically rolling to his right and, you know, threw a couple away. And it it was, uh, kind of not unexpected to see a guy that had a good first game, not have such a great second game. It's almost like going from your freshman to your sophomore year, You, you know what you don't know. And, you know, all of a sudden you got those big guys right around you and you're, you're in trouble. I couldn't tell from TV, but I know that Stingley was on Amir Abdul-Rahman. Was it the fact that he just was blanketed on just about every snap or was it that Seals wasn't going to look that way knowing you got maybe the best cover corner in the country on that guy and maybe it's just not worth it? Uh, he was pretty much blanketed. I mean, I remember watching Stingley last year as a true freshman and going, oh my gosh, how is somebody this good as a freshman? Well, he was, and now he's better. And, and so uh, I think we call his uh, name had nothing to do with trying to catch football. Uh, they just shut him down. Well, I think any time you are a really good corner, an excellent corner, your first year in the league as a true freshman, I think that's more often than not probably a sign that you're going to be a first-rounder. And there's a lot of first-rounders who aren't very good their first year. So when you produce at the level that he has produced at since he has been at LSU, I think you have something that's a commodity that will be in the NFL for a long, long time. No, he, he's as good a shutdown corner as I've seen come out of college in, in quite some time. I mean, he's he's that good, and I think he'll make a lot of money playing on Sundays. Defensively, what went wrong that didn't go right against A&M? I did not think their coverage was very good, but I think the difference, or one of the big differences, is that in the A&M game, you had pass rushers 
getting to the quarterback and making sacks or pressuring. It just seemed like that was not there. I don't know if that's because the linemen were not as effective or maybe they weren't as creative in getting pressure or maybe the quarterback just got rid of the ball sooner. What was your take on why there was such a stark difference in results between week one and week two? Well, you're dead on right. I mean, they, they, there was not the pressure that there was in, in week one. I mean, they got around Mond. Mond was frustrated. He was, you know, making some bad throws. He was rushed. Well, they didn't do that this week. And, and Brennan was back there, and he took his time. And, you know, they, they were very effective. The, the passing game started working because the running game was working. When you got that, and then you you throw in just the ultimate, and that's hitting the slant. They started hitting the slant in the third quarter. You're cooking with gas at that point. They don't know if you're running or you're going to run the slant, or you're going downfield, or you know what you're going to do. So I felt like you know defensively they got on their heels, uh, and I, it was due mainly to the fact that they couldn't get back to the quarterback. And you know that's, I think they. It looked to me just not watching that closely, but it looked like they, they blitzed a little bit more against A&M, but they did, they had more effective pressure from the three down linemen at A&M than they had this week. Yeah, I believe that was also the case. One other thing as I think about it, I just think that LSU has got better receivers, and it's amazing because they lost – what Justin Jefferson to the NFL, where the last I saw for the Vikings, he lit the Titans up. They lost uh, the other kid who I've gone blank on. Uh, I guess their best receiver last year opted out. So even with losing some elite talent, I just thought the kids they had left over, Terrace Marshall being one of them, were better than what A&M had. And I think that made a difference too. You look at Receivers getting open and pass rush is a thing that happens in tandem, but you flip that around and on the backside, if your receivers are breaking free quicker, that gives your front four or front three a shorter time to get to the quarterback. And I'm wondering if you thought that was an issue also. Oh, I think it, I think it was. I mean, you know, you look at LSU, they, they had five guys drafted in the first round last year, which is really unbelievable. And I, I would argue that that offense that they had last year was the best offense in the history of the NCAA. Somebody may top it later on, but I mean, the number of points, the number of yards, the, I mean, they just did it all and they were so good at it. You know, thousand yard rusher and the guy that throws for seems like 20 miles and, and 400 touchdowns. You know, I don't know what his stats were, but it was unbelievable. And to lose five of them, but the thing is, you lose five like that, but they didn't quit recruiting when they had those guys. They they went out and got some more, and they don't have the uh, the experience that those guys had, but they're still awfully good athletes. So, I mean, LA, LSU is an elite team when it comes to the athletic ability. They always have been. So, you know, it, it, I can't say I'm stunned that it happened that way, but, you know, Texas A&M's got some really good athletes too. So you know, I just felt like the, the difference this week was that their defensive line just really did a great job and, and our offense couldn't do anything with that. By the way, Jamar Chase was the receiver that I was trying to think of. Uh, I don't know why I went blank on that. He's just flat out outstanding. Yeah. Uh, made a Made quite an impression here last year, that's for sure. 
Yeah, we, we talked to uh, some of the LSU guys, the radio guys before the game, and we're asking you know, what was making them last year, what was making them so good. He said, we've got a quarterback that understands it. we got three receivers that understand it. So they were all on the same page, and they, they knew how to run a, a pretty complex offense. And, you know, that, that's all gone downhill a little bit since he lost the, the passing coordinator and you lost your Heisman Trophy and your 1,000-yard rusher. But they're still a good football team. I mean, they're, they're going to beat a lot of people this year. I'm going to go ahead and go to the mailbag that is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all of your insurance needs. Call Josh today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshumintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about it and his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. Door King says, seems like we cannot pass out of the pocket is that because of protection or the inability of seals to read defenses and quickly throw the ball? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there is an aspect to having a freshman quarterback that's just not pleasant, and that is that he's, he's still having to think quite a bit. He's having to go through the reads and, all right, which way did the safety go? Okay, you know, is it man or is it zone? And what, what to, is he going to break in on this route or is he going to break out? So there, there's still a lot of thinking that goes on. To really run the offense effectively, you know, it, it, it sounds trite or whatever, but if you're thinking you're not playing football and you, they're still having a lot of guys that are having to think and, and the game will slow down, I think, for Seals. But, you know, this week, I mean, he just had those guys coming back on him and he's getting rid of the ball in a hurry. He's rolling out and just throwing it in the stands. I mean, it, it was not a comfortable night for him. This question also from Dorking, this one about Mike Wright. He says, Mike Wright showed good running ability. Do you think we'll see more of him? Uh, I mean, it looked like that was the package. They didn't just put in for one game. That looked like something that they're prepared to go with. Uh, you know, he had one really good run, I thought. He had one run that wasn't so good, but you can tell he's quick. I mean, he's, he's got the quickness to do this. Uh, you know, Ken's not quite that quick. And so if you've got a guy that can carry the ball, all of a sudden you're going 11 on 11 instead of 10 on 11. So it makes sense that you'd see more of that down in the red zone. Uh, unfortunately, Vanderbilt, you know, so far this year, they hadn't had enough trips in the red zone to, to you know, go ahead and win the football game. So I think if things start putting drives together, and it's the same thing I said for the keys to the game, uh, on the show uh, this week, and and that was, you got a you got a freshman quarterback. You got to keep him in third and manageable situations. And there were way way too many third and eights, third and tens, third and elevens. Saturday, I mean, you're you're just getting to the point there where your odds go down to about thirty uh, percent when you when you try to do that. Well, with Wright, the thing that he is going to have to show at some point is the ability to throw the football because every play he's been in, he's run. Teams are going to figure that out and know that the pass is not going to be an option or not much of an option. So that's going to be the next trick for him is being able to show some accuracy in spots where he's in the ballgame, which I think was a big issue for him in fall camp. 
Yeah, he'll have to show that, but that's kind of the natural progression of bringing your running quarterback in, and all of a sudden he he rolls out to his left and he's throwing. Uh, that catches people off guard. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that be part of the part of the action uh, as we go on into the season. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the guys are a good athlete. I, I think they got four good athletes at quarterback, and from all I can tell, they got a, another good one coming in next year. So. You know, they just got to get some guys with some season and and get them in there and and get them some reps and get them where again they're not thinking so much. Yeah, and the last thing you want is a guy getting his first snaps when it matters. So I really don't have a big objection to what they're doing. They don't need to get too cute, or if they get in a rhythm with seals, take him out. But we've talked about this before. Their line is going to struggle to protect anybody. I'm worried about Ken Seals getting hurt for that alone. And so I think getting him reps in this spot makes a lot of sense. And by the way, I think Mike is a really talented kid. I just think this is an adjustment period for him where I think throwing the ball in windows that you throw in in high school and throwing in those windows in the SEC are two very different things. Yeah, they are. And, and, you know, I didn't. With college ball, I'd use more of a, not even a window. They're, they're typically more like a fairly large door. If, if the patterns run right, if you're reading the defenses right, you watch the watch them on Sunday, watch the NFL, and it really is. I mean, it's a, it's a little bitty window that you can barely see out of, and they do it all the time. And in college, it's just not it's not quite that difficult. You don't have the active linebackers in college like you do in the pros you don't have them turning and running with their back to everything to get to that spot but they do it but they don't do it nearly as well and arbor asks do you expect ken seals's playbook to evolve significantly over the year or do you think they'll add wrinkles with different quarterbacks like mike wright running plays i guess you sort of answered the last part of that with the last question, but what about the part about the playbook expanding? Well, I think it will. I, I really think it will, but, you know, I, I would expand it very carefully. I, I've said for a number of years now, if you can't run a play 90% of the time perfectly, don't run it because chances are the pressure of a ball game, if you couldn't run it well in practice, they're not going to execute it in a game. So I think you've got to slowly expand the playbook and I would imagine that's what Kurt Fitch has got in mind right now. But you've got to get him where he's comfortable with, you know, these routes and these routes. And then all of a sudden you start breaking out a little bit more. You're still not seeing a whole lot going deep uh, so far this year. And, you know, the other team's taken that away. But there are other ways that you can get the ball deep. But, you know, with this young, inexperienced line, you want to get rid of the ball pretty quickly. Norman, was there anything worth discussing that you saw with schemes or play calling or anything like that that we didn't get into tonight? Um, that's a, uh, another good question. I just felt like the difference this week versus last week, and, and I've given a lot of credit down at A&M, is they answered consistently down at A&M and uh, you know once the field goal was missed at halftime I think they went okay here we go again and uh, you know these guys are good and we're having a hard time with them and 
if, if we couldn't get the touchdown right there and then we can't even get the field goal right before the half, then we got trouble. And, and yeah, it really was. It was a kind of a big turning point in the game. I, I mentioned to you before we went on the air that, uh, you know, I had that happen. We had it happen to us uh, in, with Georgia in 1982. We missed the field goal right before the half that we felt like we should have had a touchdown. And we took the sure thing field goal, and it was a miss, and we never recovered. Norman, I appreciate you joining us tonight. Looking forward to doing this again next week after the South Carolina game. Thank you, Chris. Looking forward to it. Hope we have a better game to talk about. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> He's Norman <laughs> Jordan. I'm Chris Leedy, host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We should have episodes coming up with Seabass and Kevin Ingram later this week, so be sure and listen for those.